0: Thank you for listening to International Family Church Podcast. Our ministry philosophy can be summed up in one statement. It's not about building a great church. It's about building a great people. If you are in the greater Boston area and are wanting to grow in your walk with God, please visit intlfamilychurch.com for more information about our service times. Now here's Pastor Jonathan with our current series, Hashtag Blessed. Are you you ready for God's word today? Come on, let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity we have today to study your word. Thank you for your presence. Oh, my goodness. Your presence is so tangible right now. Man, we we are breathing rarefied air because you are here and you've manifested yourself like you promised you would when two and three of us gather together. Thank you for your presence. It's in that place in your presence where I'm honored and privileged to minister your word today. Bring your word across with clarity, with accuracy and simplicity, so we can immediately apply your word to our lives. We believe we will never be the same today for being in your presence and for hearing God's word. Our hearts are open. We're ready now to receive the incorruptible seed of your word, which we believe will produce much fruit that will honor and glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Welcome to week three in our seven-part series entitled Hashtag blessed. Very excited about this message. Week one we talked about God's plan. Last week we talked about the world's plan and how directly opposite they are and opposed to each other. You need to know God's plan. You need to know the world's plan. You need to make sure which one you're under. If you're following God's plan or the world's plan, go to intlfamilychurch.com, media section. They're all archived there. And please catch up with us. This is one of those series that really do build one after the other. So staying up with us is very, very important. Love for you to be here the whole time, Um, but you can join us also online. Hashtag blessed. In week one, I defined for you the word blessed. The reason why I did is so that we could all be on the same page to really understand from the very beginning of this series what the will of God is for you and your family. And Here's the definition. Blessed. Ongoing increase possessing more than enough for you and the ability to give to others. It's an awesome definition. It's true, amen. And I would encourage you to put it up on your mirror, your refrigerator, put it on your devices. Man, keep it somewhere where you can keep God's will right in front of you on a regular basis, amen. Unfortunately, most of God's people, most good people are living with not enough. Or the great majority of us are in that muddy middle of just enough, when all along God has declared that we should be living in more than enough. Amen? Then I made a statement that kind of rocked our world, week one. Rocked our world and immediately gave us laser beam focus as to why this series is so important. And here's that statement. Living blessed does not begin with more money in your pocket. It begins with more word in your heart powerful statement. It rocked my world the first time I realized how true that was. It changed me. Why? Because I thought like you, I just need more money. If I had more money, I wouldn't have all these problems. I wouldn't have the strife in my house. I, I'd be able to provide for my family. I wouldn't feel so, you know, un, um, you know so incapable as a provider or as a, as a man. I just thought I just, more money would fix that. And it was like a band aid on a concussion. Didn't fix anything except expose the real issue. And the issue was, I didn't have enough word in my heart. Mm. And only when I got God's word in my heart on this subject did everything begin to change. And so we're gonna build on that today. Um, And so today's takeaway um, is very personal. Today's takeaway comes out of my own personal struggle. My own personal struggle at a season where I did not trust God with my money. And that's very personal. It doesn't get much more personal than talking about your money. We're not talking about money in general. That'd be easy. But we're talking about your money. That gets personal. Only thing would be more personal if we talked about your sex life or your kids. Ha, you can laugh on that. It's okay. Um, We're in church. It's all right. Right? That gets real personal. That's a subject for another time. But, But money is very personal. And I get it. I really do. I understand and I acknowledge how personal this subject really is and how, in many cases, many people are very uncomfortable talking about somebody else talking about their money. I get it. I really do get it. But you know what? In order for me to be the best pastor you ever had, I pray that on a regular basis that somehow, Father, you will help me be the best pastor this congregation ever had. In order for me to to fulfill that, I've got to talk to you about what might be uncomfortable I need to go there I need to go there and leverage the trust that we enjoy the relationship that we have not to take advantage of it in any way not to bang you over the head or not to make you feel bad or condemned about whatever it might be it's a touchy subject I get it but I am willing to take the relational risk and go there why because I believe it's vital It's vital for your future, for your children, for generations that are to come of Jesus, Terry's. And it's vital for the overall picture and and mandate that's on us as a church. So I get the personal struggle. I really did. You know what? I immediately grabbed a hold of God's word about healing. I don't know what it was. I immediately grabbed it. I believed that it was God's will to heal. I so believe that because I grew up hearing, well, you never know. It might be, it might not be his will to heal. Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. We don't get why. I brought, was brought up in that environment but when I heard about God's will to heal, somehow it just dropped in my heart. And the first healing I had was, a, was a, a miracle, a healing from allergies. I suffered from allergies on a major, major way. Grass, dust, right? Cheese, pizza, I don't care what it was. It seemed like I, something made me just fully allergic to so many things, and he healed me. I've been free ever since. And it goes on and on, the list of things that, that the Lord healed me from. Amen. Spiritual, natural, physical, emotional. Oh, my goodness. The list goes on and on. But when it came to money, man, I struggled. I, it, it took several more years for me to hear it. And I, I, it was just a very difficult thing for me. Maybe you can relate. Maybe you can't. Maybe it's the other way around for you. But I struggled. So this message comes out of my own Personal struggle, just being real, my own personal struggle. So here's our big takeaway. Here's where we're going today. You ready for this? Yeah. Before you can enjoy the rewards of the blessed life, you must first pass the heart test. You must first pass the heart test. See, my view on living a blessed life is not so much about money, it's about heart. See, I believe when we teach it only about money and not address the heart, we do people a disservice when we talk about living a blessed life. We talk about God's will concerning our money and, and concerning increase and, and so forth. We, we do people a disservice, and I've done it in the past, where we just talk about money, and, and, and money, the Bible has a lot to say about money. I mean, there's like four and five times more scriptures on money than there is faith and there is love, um, and, and, and we'll give you those numbers later on. But please understand, the heart test, man, that was the big one for me. It was the big stronghold in my life my heart. Wow. Have your Bibles. Turn with me, please, to probably one of the, the most famous scriptures in the Bible. If you have your digital device, look it up or follow along on the screen. It's found here in Luke 6 38. Let's springboard here. There's so many places we can go. Remember, it's a seven part series. We won't cut it all, we won't catch it all today. Um, and it's just only a portion of this. But this is familiar to all of us for the most part. It might be brand new for you. I'm glad you're here hearing this for the first time it says this given it shall be given to you good measure pressed down shaken together and running over will men give into you give into you for with the measure you use it will be measured unto you and we hear that verse over and over again. It's used in any offering exhortation and, and uh, it's usually a scripture that people memorize and, and, and so forth. And one of the most common mistakes people make about this verse is assuming Jesus is only speaking about money. In truth, he's revealing a principle that applies to every area of our lives. Amen. This becomes crystal clear if you'll back up and get a broader view of the, of the context of this verse and back up just two verses and it gives us a whole view that really helps us widen and mature our view about this verse. Back to 36 and 37 says this, be merciful just as your father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Wow. And then Jesus says, verse 38, give and it shall be given unto you. Yes, the principle applies to money, but, but so much more than money. Amen. You can also give forgiveness. You can also give mercy. You can also give understanding. You can also give patience. You can also give love, right? The list just goes on and on, doesn't it? Amen. Jesus is simply talking about a broad principle of giving. Whatever whatever you give is going to be given back to you. Good measure, go back to verse 38. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Say it with me. Good measure. pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Amen. See, the Lord is clearly communicating here that whatever you give, you're going to get a whole lot more of the same in return. It's a universal principle of God. You always, always receive back more than you give. Yet this is precisely where so many people get this passage wrong. And once you understand the life-changing principle, there's a tremendous temptation, listen, to make your motivation for giving. Listen, the give and it shall be given unto you principle is not to be our reward. Amen. The principle is to be our reward, not our motivation. You say it again. I messed that up. The given it shall be given to you principle is to be our reward, not our motivation. Amen. That's very important. Very important. That's why Jesus preceded this promise saying, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. So the context puts this promise in a very sobering light, right? If you give judgment... Judgment will be given back to you. Go back to verse 38. Judgment will be given back to you. Say it again with me. What? Good measure. Right? So if you give condemnation, condemnation will be given back to you. Say it with me. Good measure. Wow. Right? So you are got to be careful what you do. We judge so many people. We judge them based on what they look like, based upon their accent, based upon their their color, their ethnicity, based upon what we think about certain things, without even knowing what's in a person's heart. We do it on Facebook, we do it all the time. We're judging people, right? We're judging people because of their lifestyle. And you think you're better than them because your lifestyle seems to be a little bit more cleaner than theirs, or a little bit more together, not as confused, or whatever the case may be. The Bible principle is if you judge your are going to get judgment back. Good measure, rest down, shake it together and See, I don't know what's in your heart. Only the Lord can judge our hearts, Amen. right? I cannot judge your heart. I forbid myself to ever try to judge your heart. Only the Lord can see what's in your heart. However, I can see the fruit of your life, which is oftentimes an example of what might be in your heart because fruit comes out of your heart. So while I can't be the final judge on what's on your heart, only the Lord can do that, but we can all see fruits of people's lives, which is an indication whether your heart is getting good or healed or whole, or your heart has some real issues. That's good preaching. Now, the good news of this verse is if you give forgiveness, guess what you're going to get back? You're going to get forgiveness, what? Back in Right? So if you give love, you're gonna get abundance back. How? Huh? Say it with me, don't be lazy. Yeah. Yeah. Running over. You get the point, right? So it's imperative that we understand this is called the law of reciprocity. Amen. Yeah. But approaching it in the balanced way is very much a matter of the heart. God doesn't want, listen, God doesn't want us to catch the vision of getting, He wants us to catch the vision of giving. Now, this is important. I really do believe it. Now, I, I'm For years, I've been an, an increased preacher, prosperity preacher. I believed in it all, and, and I'll give you my definition of it weeks to come. Amen. So, I believed it from the very beginning, and I've, I've never, ever been comfortable with my vote, motivation being getting. It just never set right with me. Does God want to bless you? <laughs> Of course he does, but it can't be my motivation. It can't be my vision of getting. My vision when it comes to God's financial plan has to always be about giving, giving. Yes, as we do, we'll receive so much more in return and God loves to see his people blessed, but motives are everything. Look at Proverbs sixteen two. All a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Wow. wow. Motives are weighed by the Lord. Maybe you thinking, well, it's no big deal what I do, and we think it's, just, it's an innocent thing, it's, it's this or that, and nobody cares, but motives. The reason why I'm up here, my motive is important. Why am I up here? Why am I preaching God's word? Why do I serve? Why do I bless? Why, why do I do what I do? Why is my attitude the way I do? What's my, my motive as far as money? And, 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 and on and on and on and on it goes, amen. God judges our motives. Why do you do what you do? Motives mean everything to the Lord. James 4, 3 makes it even clearer. When you ask, you do not receive. Why? Because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Wow. When it comes to pleasing God, operating in line with his kingdom principles, heart motivation is what matters most to him. Amen. Amen. See, the message of Jesus' His sermon is simply give. Give to those who ask you. Give to those who can't pay you back. Give to those who don't deserve it, right? Give mercy to those who've wronged you. Give the kind of treatment you hope to receive back from somebody else. Give, 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 amen. And, oh, by the way, when you do, your heavenly Father will make sure you get much more in return. Amen. Amen. See the subtle but important distinctions in emphasis here. God is a giver. And yes, it's true that when we give, God will give back to us. But that should not be our motive for giving. We should give for the pure joy of imitating our wonderful Heavenly Father. It's our hearts. Listen, it's our hearts the Lord is concerned about. And a properly focused heart is more excited about giving, about the giving part than the receiving part. Amen. I don't know anybody here that wouldn't want to represent their heavenly father well. It I, I would be unfathomable to me to hear a child of God not want to represent their father's heart well. We all do. I do, the, 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 the babyest of Christians, of course. We've, we've been set free, man, we've been blood-bought. Man, I was on my way to hell, I'm on my way to heaven. I've been forgiven, and, and sin's nature's been broken off of me, right? You're grateful, and you're always indebted, right? Who wouldn't want to represent the Father's heart well? Amen. We all do. I do. None of you would say, I don't. No. But yet, oftentimes, because of our motives, oftentimes, because of what we're not doing, oftentimes because of what we're kicking against the pricks about is the very thing that's not representing our wonderful, giving, loving, heavenly Father's heart well. Wow. In other words, God is saying, when you give, just give. See, people say, you got to give to get. I understand what they're saying, but technically, I give to give. Right? I give to give. And that's the, that's the Bible principle here. I give to give, and the Lord's saying, and I'm going to reward you for giving back, amen, to you much in a much greater measure. The reward comes because we've allowed God to work in our hearts about our giving, not in the area of getting. Amen. I hope you get that. That's, good. that's strong stuff. Yeah. Old Testament scripture that I want to read to you It's a portion of Scripture, a few more verses than I would normally read on a Sunday morning, but you'll get the reason why in a moment. Deuteronomy 15, 7 through 15, really helps us understand our study for today. "'If there be among you a poor man, one of your brothers, within any of your gates, in your land which the Lord your God has given you, you must not harden your heart or shut your hand from your poor brother.'" "'But you shall open your hand wide to him "'and must surely lend him what is sufficient for his need "'in that which he lacks. "'Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart, "'saying, the seventh year, the year of release is at hand, "'and your eye be evil against your poor brother, "'and and you give him nothing.'" And he cry out to the Lord against you, and it becomes sin in you. You must surely give to him, and your heart shall not be grieved when you give to him, because in this thing the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all that you put your hand to do. For the poor will never cease from being in the land. Therefore I command you, saying, you shall open your hand wide to your brother and to your poor and needy in your land, if your brother a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman is sold you you sold to you and serves you 6 years then in the 7th year you must let him go free from you when you send him out free from you you must not let him go away empty-handed you shall supply him liberally out of your own flock out of your own floor out of your own winepress from that which God which the Lord your God has blessed you you shall give to him you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command this to you today. Wow. Let's bring this in a more relevant way into our 21st century. Here's a clear view of God's heart for helping people. Amen, it's clear. And also more evidence that God looks at the attitude of the heart, amen, of the giver. He makes a point of telling us here and telling the Israelites not to let their hearts be grieved when they give. All the way back in the day, God loved a cheerful giver. It's always been about a cheerful giver. It's not hard to understand why this is so. Not hard. Aren't you proud as a parent when your children are selfish? Aren't you? Oh, yeah, Aren't you proud when you have to beg and, 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 and bribe your children to give or to serve or, or to share? Doesn't that just do your heart wonderful when you have to bribe your kids and, and y'all get your pizza and, or whatever you got to share? Come on now. Doesn't that just make you like your buttons want to pop out of your chest, off your shirt? When you say, you know what, you got you to gotta beg them to, to, be, to be nice. Does, doesn't that make you proud parents? No. No. It doesn't make God proud either. It doesn't make your heavenly Father proud either, when he has to, When we negotiate with God, and we just say, "No, no, no, not now. After this big deal comes, oh uh, no, well, I, I, I got to pay my mortgage. I got to do this, or I got to do that." And 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 we'll get all of it together straight here in the weeks to come. But but you get my point. If God has to bribe us, or so to speak, or, or, or somehow cajole us, or we, we are in negotiation with God about our money and about our attitude towards money. Let me tell you something. It doesn't make God proud, it grieves his heart. Why? Because we, at earthly parents, are a representation of our heavenly Father's heart. He's proud when we serve willingly, when we bless willingly. Amen. When we understand God's loving heart, His heart of love and compassion, His giving heart, and when we're a reflection of that, oh, my, 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 is your heavenly Father got a big smile on His face. Mm. That's good. Amen. Amen. But as this passage we just read points out, there's some things about ourselves that we're going to have to confront if we want to become pure-hearted givers. Remember, again, our big takeaway, remember the one main point I want you to go home with, before you can enjoy the rewards of the blessed life, you must first pass the heart test. Amen. So let's talk about the top three heart tests that everybody on the face of the earth have to go through. I went through these. I had to confront my heart It's being real. Now, I, the church had already started. We were in infancy stages, and I was not the perfect man to start this church. I still had issues in my heart. I still had trust issues. And here I was now, 26, 27 years old, starting International Family Church, and I I still was dealing with some issues in my own heart, just trying to make you understand this affects all of us today. Let's talk about these top three heart tests that we have to come face-to-face with today. You ready? Hang in there. Number one, the selfish heart. The selfish heart. According to Deuteronomy 15.9, we're going to have to deal with the wicked thoughts that would keep us from having compassion on others. When God clearly labels selfish thoughts as wicked, selfishness whispers that we won't have enough or that God will not be faithful to meet my needs if we give. God says, don't allow your heart to think that way. Obviously, greed and selfishness are not proper motives for giving. God wants us to change us, change us from our greedy, selfish takers into what? Grateful, generous givers. I've been very honest with you. I've been very open about our beginning in our marriage. You know, in every relationship, there's a giver and a taker. I was the taker, I was selfish. It was about me. I thought about me often. I thought about me more than I thought about Verna. Just keeping it real. And I made my mind up back in the day when I finally understood the selfishness of my heart, the wickedness that was in my heart. Yeah, I finally called it for what it was. I began to realize that I was going to spend the rest of my life outgiving the givers. I was going to spend the rest of my life outgiving the giving of my wife, and it spilled over. And, and we feel that way about our church that we as a church are always trying our best to outgive you, the givers, always working hard. Always trying to be generous and, and surprising you like, what? Where'd that come from? Amen. Here where it came from. Joshua 1.8 began to really minister to me. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. I don't have to ask for a show of hands of who wants to be prosperous and successful. We all do. Every one of us, of course, many people read this verse and come away thinking, though, that the key to being prosperous and having good success is just meditate on the word. Now, Now, that's partly right. That's only half true. So yes, I had to learn to to really make sure God's word was in my heart. Like we said, it wasn't more money in my pocket, it was more word in my heart. So yes, I had to learn to to have God's word in front of me, confess God's word and talk about God's word and read God's word absolutely. But that's only half of what it takes. Amen. The, the verse actually says that we are to meditate on the word of God regularly and consistently so that we then can do everything it says for us to do. So there's the getting it in my heart part, and then there's the next step of doing what the word says that I just put in my heart. Many good people are getting the word in their heart, but they're not being doers of the word. I was hearing it. I was reading about it. I was being challenged but I wasn't being the doer. I really wasn't. I had half of it down, and some of you might have half of it down, but when you love God, the Bible says you will obey his commandments. Am I in the right room? Living blessed does not begin with more money in your pocket. It begins what? With more Word. word in your heart. And then only more word in your heart, but then doing what it says. And that's precisely why selfishness is the enemy. Selfishness tries to manipulate and make deals with God. We are all born selfish. And addressing the fact that you have a selfish heart is first and foremost. I had to come to grips with the fact that I was selfish. I didn't like it. It hurt my feelings. But nobody made me that way but me. Right? I, didn't, I wasn't proud of the fact. I, it was hard to admit. And was sure hard to admit to my wife, even though she kept telling me, and I didn't want to believe it. And we had all kinds of arguments about it, and all the while I knew, yeah, you're right. But I was too proud then, because pride and selfish just kind of go together, don't they? I was too proud to admit it. But I realized if I was going to have breakthrough in my marriage, breakthrough with my money, breakthrough to be the best pastor the IFC ever had, I had to deal with my selfish heart. Then I came in contact face-to-face with the second heart test. And the second heart test is number two, the grieving heart. The grieving heart. Deuteronomy 15, verse 10, we read, you must surely give to him and your heart shall not be grieved when you give to him because in this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all that you put your hand to do. Notice the reward of being a giver and living a blessed life. God says he will bless you in everything you put your hand to and in all your works, but he instructs us not to grieve in our hearts after we've been obedient. It's important not to let yourself start grieving, listen, over what you could have done with that money if you would have just kept it for yourself. Do you feel like we're like, we're like in each other's living room today, aren't we? Yes. You know, in my house, when the family gathers, we gather around the kitchen table. We don't go sit in the living room. And some of you might have formal living rooms. You don't sit there when you meet with family or close friends, right? We always were around the kitchen table. That's kind of how I feel today. Mm -hmm. We're around the kitchen table. Pull up a chair. My name's Jonathan. We're just gonna talk. Because this is real. This is real stuff. Because not only did I thought I was done, finally I, I recognized my selfish heart, but I recognized I had a grieving heart. Wow. A grieving heart. Amen. And, 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 and not feeling sorry that I gave it, and what could I have done with it if I would have kept it? Selfishness, listen. Selfishness can attack us before we give, but grief can attack us after we give. And I had both. I didn't want to give, and then finally when I said, all right, uncle, I gave. And then what I do? I grieved over the fact that I gave. So I had both selfish heart and a grieving heart. Oh my goodness. People who sell big ticket items, if you talk to businessmen or if you talk to people who are salesmen, they'll talk to you about how they always have to deal with and they're trained to help the people that are gonna buy these big ticket items that they wouldn't normally spend that much money on that help them who are about to buy that not deal with buyer's remorse. Ever had buyer's remorse? Yep. And that's very common when somebody buys a big screen TV or buys a, uh, you know, a, a car or a house or, or other things that might not be so big as that. But things that are just kind of bigger than normal than your budget would be. And they have remorse, buyer's remorse. And they, they bring it back, right? And they, they bring back that big screen TV. And they realize, man, I, I'm having a hard time paying the rest of my bills. What am I thinking buying a big screen TV? Right, Vern and I were married just a short time. I was a youth pastor in Columbus, Ohio, and, and we were missing our family. We made the mistake of going to a puppy store. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ever go to a puppy store and think, oh, man, he's, he's, we love dogs, okay? We're not cat people, and I don't mean anything against your cat, but, but I'm, not a, I'm not a cat guy. I'm a puppy guy, right? Love dogs. And what did we do? We bought a puppy. <laughs> and we bought it on time. We didn't have any money. What were we thinking? We bought a puppy. Love that puppy. Woke up the next morning thinking, what in the world did we do? Of course, that puppy barked all night long and cried all night long, right? And you know what? We we realized, man, we just made the biggest mistake of our life. And we took the puppy back. (laughs) And we begged the puppy store, please, get this puppy off our heart, off our minds. We need to give this puppy back. And you know what they did? We had buyer's remorse. And many people who give to God have a similar symptom of buyer's remorse. It's a grieving heart. That means you have to guard your heart not only before you give, but after you give. God's trying to do something deeper in our hearts today. Amen. And he he doesn't want our hearts to be filled with grief after being a blessing. Right? He wants to accomplish something deep in our heart. So how do we combat grief? How do we do that? How do we combat grief? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something bold this morning. Here's my illustration. I need somebody to give me a $100 bill. You will? Yes, sir. Oh, Carmen, come up here, please. That's awesome. Come on, somebody. Just clap your hand for Carmen. Man. Wow. Come right up here. That is a legitimate $100 bill. It is. Wow. So you're giving this to me? Yes, sir. Wow. That's the real deal. There he is. Good. Hi, Ben. Awesome. I got a question for you, Carmen. Was this hard for you to do? No, sir. It wasn't hard for you to do. Why wasn't it hard for you to do? Because you gave it to me. Because I gave it to you. Oh, uh-huh. Aha! <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't yours in the first place, was it? No, sir. No, it wasn't. It is now. Oh, Enjoy. <laughs> All right. Listen. What a perfect example. I had to realize it wasn't my money. That's right. And when I realized it wasn't my money, I did just what Carmen started to do. I gave her that money before service started. Actually, Mo gave it to her, but, um, (laughs) right? that money before service, why? For the illustration to see and to help us understand. When I finally got it, oh, I know I worked for it. I know I hustled for it. I know I, I, I gave my time and my effort, and my blood, sweat, and tears over this. I get it and the temptation to, to claim it as your own. But the reason why I grieved over that money that I gave is because I thought I owned it and I didn't. And what a big revelation that was for me. You know, it was a big day when I gave my life to Jesus and my sins were forgiven and, and, and I, that sin nature in me was broken. It was a big day, the day my heart got set free and Jesus came into my life and heaven became real and a new beginning happened. It was a big day, amen. And the second biggest day is when I got set free. My wallet got delivered. Yeah. And when my wallet got delivered, man, it was like my heart got delivered all over again. Amen. And it changed me. It really did. And I realize now I'm a steward. I'm not an owner. And when you think you're the owner and not a good steward, you'll mess it up every single time. If you think you're an owner today, you're mistaken. You are not the owner. You are the owner of nothing. And you are the steward of everything. Wow. All right, let's close this. I'm having too much fun. I dealt with my selfish heart. I dealt with my grieving heart. And the result was, number three, I had a generous heart. A generous heart. That didn't come overnight. That didn't come easy. Amen. It really didn't. And and again, Deuteronomy 15, verse 14, you shall supply him liberally out of your flock, out of your floor, out of your winepress, from that which the Lord your God has blessed you, you shall give. To him. Now, we don't have threshing floors anymore. and We don't have wine presses, per se, uh, nowadays. But we are still called to liberally, liberally, amen, give liberally from what God has blessed us with. We are not to be stingy in our giving, amen. We are to be generous. That's why we're to cultivate a liberal heart. A liberal heart. That goes against every grain of our fallen nature, right? Absolutely. We are we 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 were brought up in this nature of selfishness, right? Your children didn't weren't taught not to share. This came naturally, didn't it? We had to purposely help them to not be selfish, and I think it's all about them, right? And all about their comfort zone. See, I was born selfish, but I was born again generous. And you need to know that. That's your new nature. Your new nature is not selfish. Your new nature is generous. Does God bless givers? Absolutely. Not a shadow of a doubt. I believe it. And I'm, and I'm not just talking about giving of money. But these promises of blessing are given not to entice us, not to manipulate us, not to get us with fear and grief, but help us to get set free, to turn loose, this giver that's in our DNA, to turn loose this giver that God put on the inside of you, that God's own nature lives inside of you. Amen. And maybe you might have a a more frugal mentality or, or a more conservative way of spending, or maybe you might even be downright stingy. Amen. We get that. But inside of you beyond all that is this giving nature that God wants you to open up your heart to. And when I did let me tell you something. It transformed my life. I don't wake up in the morning thinking, what is all mine? I wake up in the morning thinking, man, who am I going to bless today? Right? It might be money. It might be my time. It might be my words. It might be my service. It might be my visitation of someone. It might be my prayer. It might be something else, right? But I don't wake up in the morning thinking about all that I have. I wake up realizing, man, today, Oh, today's a good day. Why? Because this generous heart is going to find someone who needs generosity today. When it's your last $5, don't spend it on yourself. That's a policy I started in my heart years ago. When I'm down to my last $5, I don't think, I'm down to my last $5. Oh, my, I should hold on to this. You never know when I might need it. And I changed years ago and said, I'm down to my last $5. Who can I give this to? Oh, yeah. I'm not trying to brag on me. I'm just saying, I've been changed. Amen. Amen. That's why I don't let, it's rare that I let a man on the corner, especially a woman on the corner with their little sign. It's rare that I'm not putting money in their hands. Amen. It's rare. I had to go downtown just recently and, and I don't know the man. I don't know what he did with it. You know how I feel about this. And I stopped for a moment and there was a lot of traffic and I, I just began to bless this man and he, tears start flowing down his eyes. He's having a bad day. And everybody's beeping behind me. And I thought, you know what? You can wait. i got to go somewhere, too. I'm on my way somewhere, too. I'm stuck in this traffic, too. But at that moment, God was blessing somebody. Right? And there's, that's the generous heart. I don't want you to think it's hallelujah time. I don't mean that. I mean, I'm saying it from an example to say, I was there thinking, yeah, right. You got a Lexus around the corner. And don't look at me so spiritual. (laughs) What's our big takeaway? If you want to live a blessed life that God has prepared for you, then you must be willing to pass the heart test. Hope you learned something today. Come on and stand to your feet today. Do me a favor and raise those hands towards heaven, every one of you that can today. Might be something new for you to raise your hands in, in church. Why don't you try it? When I have you raise your hands today, I'm specifically asking you to surrender your heart to him today. To take inventory of your heart. That's what this message is all about. That's what makes it so personal. Your heart is the real you. So when I raise my hands today, I'm saying, Lord, here's my heart. I don't want it to be selfish. Remind me where I once was. I don't want it to be a grieving heart. Remind me where I once was. Father, I open up my heart and allow you to do a, a work, a deep work in me to create in me a generous heart. The heart of my Father. To be brought back to my spiritual DNA of who my father is and how gave his one and only son he didn't have an abundance of heaven he had one of a kind and he gave him to us thank you so with my hand raised today I'm saying father here's my heart I'm not perfect there's no condemnation here today there is no judgment here today there's nothing but a willingness to say, Lord, you do the work. It's not up to Pastor Jonathan to do the work. Pastor Jonathan points the way. Pastor Jonathan's the water boy. The rest is up to me. Father, I thank you for this heart today. I surrender to you. What would happen to us as individuals, as husbands, as wives, as young adults? What would happen to us if our heart would change? and it was all about the giving and not just about the getting, what would change in our lives? And what attention would God take notice? Ha, because that's not my motivation at all, but it is the reward that belongs to the giver. Thank you, Father. just basket that for a moment please thank you father father here's our hearts today i'm sure i could have a hand ra- a time of raising our hands of who has a selfish heart who has a grieving heart and, and many hands would go up there was a time that my hand would have to go up and maybe i wouldn't be too proud to raise my hand to admit that i have a selfish heart or a grieving heart or both but you know father and we know. And I thank you by your spirit and by the sweet presence of the Holy Spirit in this place. But just an atmosphere of love and no pressure. Just folks around the kitchen table having a talk. Do a work in our hearts, Father. We give you permission. We let you do the work. We're not saying it has to be done today, tomorrow, and next week. But Lord, we open up our hearts to you and you do a work in us. And we love you for it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. <laughs> just bless him for just a moment. Could you tell him you love him today? Come on, tell him you love him today. How awesome you are, Father. Thank God for your word, because a miracle could happen now. A miracle could happen now. A miracle of finances, a miracle of money, a miracle of forgiveness. Mercy and love. I had a grown man come through the line with your heads bowed. A grown man come through line after the first service and say. He told me his age. Probably a lot older than most of us in this room, and he said, "All my life I've struggled with a selfish, merciless, judging heart." He says, "I spent, I can't tell you how many years waiting to hear this message today." He said, I'll never be the same. Oh my, did that humble my heart today. Decades. And he believed he heard a message that would change his life. That's awesome. Lord, we love you today. We give you permission to do a work in our hearts today. Again, with every heart, with every head bowed before Pastor Mo comes and closes the service today, I want to make sure that Jesus lives in your heart. The most important heart test of all, will you surrender your heart, the real you, to the King of kings and Lord of lords? Will you finally say, enough of me, enough of my way, and will you allow Jesus to come into your heart and break the bondage of sin that we were all born in, and break that today and have a living heart, a heart of flesh, a brand new heart that's free from sin, and a heart that can worship God, and a heart that has a new beginning. The greatest heart test starts with Jesus today. When he comes into your heart, and he'll deal with the rest of those symptoms that are in our heart. But today... I want to make sure Jesus lives in you. And if you've never opened up your heart to Jesus, today is your day to do that. You joining us online, the day is the day. This is the day of salvation. This is the day for you to say yes to Jesus today. It's a very personal decision. So every head is bowed. In a moment, I'm going to ask you, those of you who want to have Jesus come into your heart, I'm going to ask you in a moment for you to raise your hand, not because I'm going to embarrass you, not because I'm going to ask you to come forward. I'm not calling you out. I want you intentionally say, that's me. And release your faith and release your trust that God will forgive you and Jesus will come live inside of your heart today. Say, pastor, that's me. If that's you, will you raise your hand? Who are you today? Raise it up and put it down. Who are you? Thank you, sir. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Who else? Thank you. Thank you. I see it back. Yeah, thank you. Who else? Raise it up high. Anybody else? Yes, I see it. Ushers, thanks for your help. Yeah, I see it. Thank you. Thank you, Ushers. Thank you, sir. Awesome. You put your hand down. Thank you. Man, I love it. Yeah, I see it. God bless you. Good for you. Anybody else? (laughs) Don't you love what God does in people's hearts? Man, this is so good. What a miracle today. Talking about money and people giving their hearts to Jesus. Oh, my Lord, have mercy. That must mean it's an anointing subject, a subject we should talk about, shouldn't be afraid of. Who else? My turn. I'm giving my heart to Jesus, Pastor. Anybody else? Let's pray this prayer together. Join us online, please. Here in the house, say it with me Father, in Jesus' name. Father, Jesus. Here's my heart. It's the real me. I need you, Jesus. I'm done doing it my way. I need you to come in my heart. Set me free. I believe Jesus died for me. He shed his blood for me. But he didn't stay dead. He's alive and well. Now, Jesus, come into my heart. Make me alive. Forgive me for my sin. I denounce my past. And I will live for you all the days of my life. I receive by faith faith. salvation, Salvation. Salvation. forgiveness, Forgiveness. eternal life. I declare you as my Lord, my My Savior. Savior. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. Come on, give God praise this morning. God bless you. Thanks for listening connected with International Family Church at intlfamilychurch.com or follow us on Instagram. Our mission at International Family Church is to help you know God for yourself, to find freedom in your life, to discover your God-given purpose, and to help you make a difference in the lives of those around you. One of the easiest ways you can help us do this is simply by sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening.